All right, well, let's pray together this morning and then prepare our hearts to dive into today's message. Um, Kind of the overview of this message is from the book of Proverbs. That was our reading for this week, the book of Proverbs. And so we're going to be talking today about wisdom. And man, if you're anything like me, you are craving that. Um, I'm always looking for wisdom, seeking it, recognizing how much I need it. But man, the season that we live in right here, right now, calls for it. And the good news is that while this season we're in calls for wisdom, wisdom itself calls out to us to draw near. There is an invitation from God to hear and receive wisdom from Him. And so that's, that's my hope for myself, that I would position myself to receive wisdom from God. That's my hope out of our time together this morning, that we would get some, some insight, some direction on how we can receive wisdom from God so we could know how to live in the days that we're in. And so let's pray together, let's prepare our hearts, and let's invite God to come and speak to us. And so Lord, we, we come before you. God, we worship you this morning. God, thank you that at least in spirit, we can gather as, as your church, as saints of God, who have received incredible mercy and grace from you into our lives. God, who benefit from your steadfast love, from your mercy that we all need, from your justice that this world needs. God, thank you that you are steadfast and sure. And so, Lord, we worship you this morning. God, we look to you today. Our prayer is that your word would make sense to us. God, that we could not only understand it with our intellect, but God, that it would touch touch a place deep within us, God, where we are image bearers. God, we are people that you have bestowed your image upon. We have inherent value, beauty. We're, We're meaningful, eternal beings. God, that's a gift from you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would hear you speaking to the deepest parts of our heart, God, that we could receive wisdom and understanding from you, that we could learn to follow you and trust you, that we could learn to love others well and live with purpose in this world. And so, God, we say yes to whatever you have for us today. We purpose to hear from you, and God, we purpose to live your truth out by your presence in our lives by your Spirit, equipping us and leading us. And we choose to surrender and cooperate with you. We love you. We worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So wisdom does truly call. And so I want to open with just this call that we see early on in the book of Proverbs. This is from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. Those who are already wise, let them hear and increase in learning. To the one who understands, may you obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. So we want to understand what the wise understand. We also want to understand mysteries, riddles, things that haven't been uncovered yet. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
Friends, the reality is we all need wisdom. And what this passage is telling us and what the scripture lays out as a whole is that wisdom, the process of, of receiving wisdom, receiving instruction, gaining understanding, that is a lifelong journey of growth and discovery. Man, I can, I can tell you as a dad with five girls in my house, just when I think I've kind of figured things out and I've got some wisdom and insight how to parent well, one of those girls comes and brings a question or a problem and I realize really quickly I need wisdom all over again. Usually that wisdom involves calling out, Amy, <laughs> so my wife can come help. Um, and so the truth is we need wisdom. It's a lifelong journey. And this passage is saying that even the wisest, wisest of us recognize this. And so we increase our learning. We increase our understanding. Friends, we've never arrived. And the only one that thinks they have arrived is a fool. And that's what this passage is saying. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's what this all kind of leads to. This idea that to really truly gain knowledge and wisdom and understanding, the starting point is seeking that from God. This concept of the fear of the Lord, we could preach an entire sermon on that. There's a lot to it. But at the most basic level, it means having awe, reverence, and respect before God. Fear of the Lord is what produced people to bow before Him physically. Well, listen, that's the position we should take physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. That's the position our whole selves should take is to humbly bow before God and seek wisdom and knowledge from Him. And so as we kind of go on this journey together this morning um, to hear wisdom's call and to see how we can respond, point number one, the first thing we're going to explore together this morning is simply this. We need to seek wisdom from God. Now, friends, that might seem very obvious to us. That might seem like the thing that we know, we've got that, check the box, move on. But I believe this is essential, and I believe many of us miss it. And so let's spend a few minutes talking about this this morning, seeking wisdom from God. Okay, the first thing I want you to recognize here is that wisdom does not accidentally land on you. We don't stumble into wisdom. Obtaining wisdom requires action. Check this out. We're going to spend some time together in Proverbs chapter 2 now. So beginning in verse 1, let's read verses 1 through 5. And I want you to pay attention specifically to the action words here in this passage about how we view and about how we pursue wisdom. Check this out. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. The scripture says there we're, we're, to, we're to pursue it, be attentive, incline, incline our hearts like the, I lean in. With, with the deepest part of me, I lean in to pursue wisdom. I call out for it. I cry out for it. 
I seek it. I search for it. I pursue it. You know, uh, I got to be honest, man. My kids, when they're looking for something in the house, they can't find anything. You know, I have very bright, intelligent, thoughtful kids. But the minute something goes missing in our house, somehow they lose all sense and ability to find it. And so their go-to move is just to say, hey, dad, help, I can't find the remote. The hours, the countless hours I've spent over the course of my life looking under couches, through the cushions, you know, pulling out furniture, trying to find something that's been lost. Um, Man, it's been one of the most frustrating parts of my life as a father. And, And slowly what's happened over time is I begin to realize, and maybe I should have realized this a lot earlier, but I finally woke up and it dawned on me when my kids are looking for something, I've got to quit finding it for them. And so now instead when they call me, what I'll do is I'll, I'll come in the room with them and I'll teach them how to look. And I'll stand back and say, hey, get a flashlight. Look under there. Move that around. Go find it. And, and now I'm even, I've even gone to the point where I don't even come in the room with them now. If they're looking for something, I just say, hey, hey I'll tell you what. If it's important to you, If you really want to find it, you'll find it. You'll look hard enough and you'll discover it. And so you'll really take your time and not just do that cursory look around the room and bolt. Now, I believe that what my kids do in those situations mirrors what we all do. We think we have something or we recognize that we don't and we just kind of move on. We just move on. I don't understand a situation. I'm not sure what to do in a situation. If I can decide that it's not important enough to me to figure out what to do next, I can just move on and ignore it. But the reality is we need wisdom and direction. We need wisdom for things that are right in front of us and obvious. We need wisdom for things that might not be as obvious to us, but we're called to act upon them. We're called to be honest and real about the day in which we live and how we should respond. And so the first step of action is to determine that wisdom is worth seeking out, that it is of value, and that I'm going to put in the work to grab hold of it. You know, there's a lot of things that God gives us by His grace. Um, And even the things He calls us to work for, that don't come easy, they are still extended to us by His grace. By His grace, He makes Himself available and He makes knowledge, wisdom, and understanding available. But it is clear throughout the scripture that if we're to receive knowledge and wisdom and understanding, we're gonna have to roll up our sleeves. We're gonna have to put in action steps into our lives to pursue it because we're not going to accidentally stumble into wisdom. I just don't see that in the scripture. And so um, Solomon writes here, you know, these first four verses, he describes all these action steps and he says, and then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find knowledge of God. So if the beginning point is fear of the Lord, then the next step is pursuing him, pursuing what he has for us. And when we pursue him like that, we discover him and we receive knowledge from him. And so if we're to seek wisdom from God, 
by taking active steps towards Him, then we will receive what He has for us. Check this out now, verses 6 through 8. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. Verse 7, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. I, I love that picture. He stores it up. That means He's got this treasure trove of wisdom for those who want to receive it. It's ready and available for us. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and watching over the way of saints. Here's here's what's being described here. God has wisdom for us. It's available. He's got a treasure trove of it if we want it. And what He's prepared to do on our behalf is to guard us, shield us, protect us. He watches over our way. The descriptive words here are not only describing us pursuing wisdom, what we read in the first four verses of this chapter, but now they're describing what we do with it once we have it. See, the bottom line is, if we truly value the wisdom that God has, then that means we will plan on doing something with it. He says, we'll walk with integrity. And in fact, our path will be guarded by justice. Listen, proper integrity, the way that we treat people, the way that we live in the world around us, the justice that we long to see, God says that's going to be available to those who truly treasure wisdom and plan on doing something with it. And so the way I receive wisdom from God is I believe that He has it first and foremost. And so I go after Him. And then I purpose in my heart to say, God, whatever it is that you reveal to me, whatever you show me, I believe and trust that it's of great value. And God, I'm going to live by it. Lord, I want to be a person who's going to walk in integrity. And His promise is that He gives it. And His promise is that He guards and He guides. Now, we go on to see what a beautiful gift wisdom is. I hope, friends, we are already convinced that wisdom is needed. I hope you don't need much convincing of that. But it's not just that we need it. It's that it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It produces incredible benefits in our lives. And so now check out verses 9 through 11. Then, so after, after we've pursued, after we've received, and now we're purposing to walk in integrity, then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul and discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Guys, the wisdom that God has to offer is wonderful and it refreshes our souls. And His wisdom gives us guidance in every situation that we'll face. It produces righteousness, justice, equity. I can learn to live rightly in any situation. I can be a carrier of God's justice and see it in my life and be a carrier of it in the world around me. I can can watch God show up and move mightily in my life in such a way that it will be pleasant to my soul 
Guys, the, the healing that we're craving for our nation, it, it comes from the wisdom that God offers. God has solutions for the people that he loves. And he has a treasure trove of good things that will resolve the brokenness that is going on in our world. And let's bring it home to in a more personal way. God has a treasure trove of riches for what I need in my life, both in my, my home, but in the world right around me, the people I interact with on a daily basis. God has righteousness, justice, and equity for those in need. And it will be refreshing, pleasant to my soul. And so God's wisdom guards, guides, and refreshes the soul. Friends, let's seek wisdom from God. Now, I want to talk a bit more about how do we actually learn this wisdom, okay? So if we've purposed in our heart to seek it, to pursue it, how can we really learn this wisdom? How can we take it in? I want to do this by looking um, at Jesus as an example. Now, I want to encourage you, anytime that you're in the Scripture, the Gospels especially, but all over the Bible, because Jesus is, is truly on every page. It's looking ahead towards Him in the Old Testament, in the Gospels, it's reflecting on His time on this planet, and then as we move into the letters in the New Testament, they're reflecting back on who Jesus is, what He's done for us. The whole Bible is about Him. And we absolutely can and should learn from His example. But I also want to encourage you, when we're looking at the life of Jesus, don't strictly view Him as an example or in an ideal to aspire to. Recognize that He is someone that we can know. We're called to know Him. Not only that, because the Scripture invites us to be in a relationship with Him where He abides in us and we abide in Him and we're connected to Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, it's not just His example that we learn from. He offers His very life to us. He gives us things of Himself that we don't have on our own. But He gives us His presence, and then He fills us with good things that He has to offer. And so as we learn wisdom from Jesus' example this morning, I want to say up front, don't just try to mimic Him on your own. Instead, invite Him. This is part of the seeking, the pursuing. Pursue Him as, as a person. Pursue Him as God in heaven who's alive and who's real and who loves us. Pursue Him and learn from His example. And then those descriptive words that said things like cry out or call out for wisdom, when you see something in Jesus' life that you want to grow from, that you want to learn from, that you want to be like, ask Him. Call out and say, Jesus, do that in me. Help me live that out by your presence, by your power in my life. And so let's take a look at Jesus and the wisdom that he offers. Now, I mentioned already uh, the Old Testament talks about him and anticipates his arrival. And in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah writes in Isaiah 11 verses 1 through 4, this is a part of, part of a messianic prophecy. This is prophesying about the coming Savior, Jesus who he is, what he'll be like. And I want you to check this out. Isaiah 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. So this is saying 
there's going to be this one who's going to come in the line of Jesse, who is David's father. So this is that King David line that Jesus came from. There's going to be this shoot that will come forth from the stump of Jesse, a branch from his, his roots that shall bear fruit. Verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Do you, do you hear how it's describing Jesus? Jesus is going to be filled with the Spirit. That means life. It means the presence of God. He's going to be filled with the Spirit of the Lord, and what it's going to produce in Him is wisdom and understanding, counsel, and might. That means not only am I going to know what I should do, but I'm going to have the strength to do it. And so Jesus was filled with both counsel and might. He recognized the way he should walk, and he had the strength to walk it out. And he received the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Listen, anytime we're talking about Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, I acknowledge it's mysterious and difficult to wrap our heads around. I acknowledge that. But when Jesus walked this earth as a man, he positioned himself in humility towards his heavenly Father. He submitted to his heavenly Father. He prayed to his heavenly Father. He obeyed what his heavenly Father asked him to do. And so Jesus himself practiced the fear of the Lord. And as a result, he had wisdom, understanding, counsel, and might. Now check this out, verse 3. And his delight, this is still talking about Jesus, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. So he delighted in the relationship that he had with the Father. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Listen, what this is saying is, the primary source that Jesus used for wisdom was not external sources. He didn't just trust in everything he saw and in everything he heard. His primary source was the righteousness that came from God. And as that provided his source for wisdom and knowledge and understanding, he then knew how to treat the poor rightly. He then knew how to fight for the cause of the meek. He could speak correction. That's what that word rod means, the rod of his mouth. He could speak correction to what was broken and wrong. And he could bring judgment upon the wicked. The reason Jesus knew how to rightly live and treat people was first and foremost, what was primary was receiving wisdom from God. Friends, the way that we're going to gain wisdom is by listening to and learning from God. This is primary. Friends, I want you to consider something. I want you to think about this specific moment we're in, but I also want you to step back and consider um, larger moments in life. Whether it's the moment of um, injustice that we're wrestling with right now, racism, police brutality, the tragedy, 
of not only what happened to George Floyd, but what we've seen happen all too often. Um, whether it's, you know, something we're still living in that maybe we've forgotten about, which is the presence of a virus where there remains a lot of unknown and differing opinions, or whether it's just general wisdom in life. We live in a difficult, complicated world. But I, I want you to consider this question. When you reflect on your response to difficult or uncertain topics, um, circumstances that you're facing. I want you to consider this. In your rush to know what to do, how do you respond? I want you to consider how much time comparatively have you spent seeking wisdom directly from God versus wisdom from man? Like seriously, consider it. Take the topics of this day. When you, when you compare how much time have I sent, I spent, excuse me, how much time have I spent pursuing wisdom from God compared to the time that I have spent reading, watching, and listening to wisdom from men? Which one was my starting point? Which one is my anchor? Which one is primary? I'm not saying we don't overtake in information from the world around us, that we don't listen to others. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about what comes first. Jesus didn't first rely upon what his eyes saw or what his ears heard. He first relied upon the wisdom that uniquely comes from God in heaven. Friends, there is power in the word and presence of God. I, I want to encourage you. I'm not just talking about do your daily Bible reading, check off the box. What I'm saying is we need to learn to pray holding God's word. I need to learn to prayerfully listen to the word of God. Because when I am in God's word, if I'm prayerful about it, I can realize his presence is with me. It's not just words on a page. There's a God in heaven who loves me and who is with me and who wants to speak truth into my life. And so, friends, we need to learn how to read God's Word with a listening, prayerful ear. God, I'm, I'm reading through these Proverbs, or I'm reading a story from the life of Jesus. Lord, help me not only understand that specific story, but then, God, would you help me to understand how this might apply to my life? God, is there something in me that you want to correct? Lord, is there something you want to speak into my heart about the day in which I live? how I should act, how I should speak, what I should do. Friends, let's first and foremost begin by listening to the wisdom that God offers, by spending time with Him in His Word, positioning ourselves like Jesus to receive the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and understanding so that I know then how to treat the poor, the meek, to speak words of correction where they need to be corrected to participate in bringing justice into this world. It's going to start right here. Guys, there's something in me you want to do. Now, additionally, as important as it is for us to listen and learn wisdom from God, then when we put in that time, when we put in that work, when we start with Him as our primary source, then we move into listening and learning from others. 
That's still essential and important. It's just secondary. It comes after the primary. Listening to the Lord and then listening and learning from others. And Jesus did this too. I want to look at one example with you this morning. I want you to consider Jesus as a young man. He's around the age of 12 now. Um, he's maturing. He's, he's stepping more and more into who he is as a young man. He's being shaped and formed. And the scripture begins this, this little story of him when he's 12 years old. Um, you know the story is family travels to Jerusalem and then they're going back home. And on the way home, they realize Jesus is missing. And it's because he stayed behind in Jerusalem and he's in the temple learning from the rabbis, the teachers of the law. And he's learning from them. And so I, I want you to check this out. The story opens by saying in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, And the child, this is Jesus, grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. This is describing who Jesus is just based on what he's received as a child in his home. This is the wisdom that he's received at home from God. He already is marked by the spirit and presence of God. He's already filled with wisdom. He's already experiencing the grace of God on his life. And now he's moving into the public square. He's taking what he's received from God and he's moving into the public square. And he positions himself to listen and learn. Skipping down now to verses 46 and 47 in chapter 2. It's describing what he was doing around these teachers. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Jesus positioned himself to listen well. And one of the evidences that he was listening well is he began to ask the right questions. As he listened and heard from others, he followed them up with thoughtful questions that clarified what they were saying and increased his understanding. And the people around him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Friends, this is important. Answers and understanding follow inquisitive learning. Too many of us think that we already have understanding and answers before we've done any learning or asked any questions. And so the same humility that we bring into our relationship with God to seek wisdom from Him, we now bring into our experiences with other people where, where we value them, we listen to them, we learn from them, and from that place of inquisitiveness and learning, we grow. We receive more understanding. Listen, this is what Jesus did. Jesus engaged with people and he listened to them. Um, you could check out some of these examples. Nicodemus, right? A religious leader. Jesus had a whole conversation with him in John chapter 3. He listened. They discussed. They had dialogue. Moved to the next chapter and we go from a Jewish religious leader to a Samaritan woman who was kind of an outcast in her town. And Jesus has this conversation with this woman at the well where they, they dialogue and he listens and he asks questions and they interact. John chapter 4. 
Then we move, we see him interacting with another foreigner, a soldier, in Matthew chapter 8, where he has this interaction with a Roman centurion. And he talks with him, he listens to him, he responds to him. We move on. We see a rich young ruler. This is like a young Jewish guy who's got money. And Jesus has a whole dialogue with him. And guys, each of these examples, I'm sorry, that you can find in three of the Gospels, Matthew 19, Mark 10, Luke 18. In all of these different examples, we see Jesus interacting with different people from different backgrounds. He listens. He hears their perspective and where they're coming from. And he dialogues with them. Now, there are two key things we can learn from how Jesus interacted with people, and they're both important. They're both important. The first thing that we can see that Jesus consistently did when he interacted with people is is he listened with love and empathy. He listened with love and empathy. One of the classic examples was the rich young ruler. They ended, their interaction ended with a divide. But it began with Jesus loving him and having empathy. In fact, even as Jesus began to push back on him a little bit, the scripture says he looked at him and loved him. He loved the woman at the well. He loved Nicodemus. He cared about the Roman centurion. When he he rescues the woman caught in adultery, he interacts with everybody present and he loves that woman. When he's on the cross, when he is experiencing devastating consequences of what's happened to him, where he's being crucified, he's being killed, he's experiencing ultimate suffering, spirit, soul, and body. And even on the cross, he's dialoguing with a thief who moments before was mocking him and accusing him. He dialogues with this guy and he has love and empathy for him. Friends, every person is of equal value. Every person is of equal value. Even that doesn't really capture it enough, guys. All people bear, we're image bearers. We bear the image of God. We are unique. We are wonderful. We are of immense, eternal value. Guys, every person we come across, even the person that's like on the other side of the grocery store that we barely see out of our peripheral vision, that is a person of immense value and worth. They're of immense eternal significance. God delights in them. And whether it is their skin color, their personality type, whatever you want to talk about, their intellect, every person bears the image of God. They are a mini-reflection, M-I-N-I, mini-reflection of the beauty of God. And together, when you look at the broad landscape of humanity, yeah, we're broken, yeah, things are a mess, but guys, if we can see the inherent value in each person, we are a beautiful reflection of the glory of God. And so when we are interacting with other people, We need to approach people with a sense of empathy and love. I need to have ears that can hear. I need to have a sense of honor and respect for what somebody has to say. And so I should honor and listen to other perspectives. I should recognize and empathize with love other people's experiences that I maybe can't understand and can't relate to. 
but I can give honor and respect and love. And so this is one of the key ways Jesus interacted with people. He interacted with people by listening to them with love and empathy. The second thing Jesus did, and these work together, the second thing Jesus did is he interacted with people based on discernment and wisdom. Discernment and wisdom. He cared for people. He engaged with people. But he listened even to what was behind what they were saying. He asked insightful questions that brought out deeper truth that was going on. And often, in the most loving way possible, Jesus was able to recognize where something was off, where a person needed correction. They needed to be challenged. The idea they were proposing needed to be shifted. For others, as he listened with discernment and wisdom, he discovered beautiful things that were going on in their heart. And he looked at them and said, you're right on. And that Roman centurion that I was referring to, he understood something about Jesus and the power that he had and the ability that he had that many that were around Jesus didn't recognize. And Jesus says, this is incredible. What faith? And he affirmed the Roman centurion. Other times, he contradicted or corrected. He corrects the rich young ruler. He lovingly interacts with the woman at the well, but he points out she needs to change. She needs to experience the love and presence of God. She needs a life change. Friends, all people are of equal worth and value. But friends, all ideas are not of equal worth and value. And we have to learn to separate people from ideas. I need to approach people with love, with empathy. I need to honor and respect their perspective and listen and recognize that maybe I've got something to learn. And I do that with wisdom and discernment. That's why learning wisdom from God is primary. And then learning wisdom from other people is secondary because God's spirit within me and the knowledge and wisdom he's given me will help me to filter and understand what people are saying. Sometimes people are just sharing their experiences. <clears throat> and there's, there's no need for me to qualify any of that. I just need to hear them out. What's your experience? What are you going through? Let me be empathetic and loving. If we begin moving into proposing ideas, solutions, here's what we should do, here's how we should act, I still approach those by valuing people's opinions and ideas, by walking in empathy and love, but I, I use discernment and wisdom to say, God, is that the right idea? Does that line up and agree with who you are and what you're up to in this world? And if it is, then I've just gained wisdom and understanding. I've learned something new. I've received a new idea that's valuable, that touches and changes my life. But friends, we have to be able to approach with discernment what people are saying. It will give us an idea of what we should do. A healthy approach is to understand that when I'm interacting with someone else, they are of immense value, but their idea might not be. And of equal importance, by the way, is to realize it might be my idea that is not of value. It might be my idea that is broken and wrong. And so by pursuing the wisdom of God and listening to the direction of others, I might begin to recognize 
God, I was questioning that thought, that idea from that person, but because I'm listening with wisdom and discernment, God, I'm realizing you're showing me an area where it's me that's broken. It's the idea I've been carrying around that's wrong. And so, Lord, correct me. Now, this is the approach Jesus had, and look what it produced at the end of this passage. Excuse me. (coughs) At the end of this passage, where Jesus was already described as having wisdom, he's now increased his wisdom. Check this out, Luke 2.52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Jesus started with wisdom and grew in wisdom because he didn't close himself off thinking, I've arrived. I've got it all figured out. He allowed God first and foremost to inform knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And then he approached other people with love, valuing them, listening to them empathetically, and then using wisdom and discernment from God. And he grew as a result of that. Friends, this, this, this way that Jesus lived, where he increased in wisdom and stature with God and men, that's a gift we can receive from him. I want to move towards a conclusion this morning um, by just diving into a little bit um, Ephesians, the sec, kind of the second half of chapter 1, the early part of chapter 2. And I want to say up front, if you want a good place to start in light of all this today, on your own, here's some homework for you. Begin in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, and go through chapter 2, verse 10, and invite God to speak to you and talk to you about the unique wisdom that He offers and the way that we can operate in this life. I want to encourage you to prayerfully explore that, but I want to give us just a couple of quick points in closing here. Paul is, is saying to the believers, here in Ephesus. So these are Christians. They're already people that he describes as having faith in God and love for others. And he says, here's my prayer for you. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. I just want to pause right there. Jesus had the spirit of wisdom. And he's saying now, Paul's saying now, I'm praying that God would give you this very same spirit of wisdom, that his presence would come upon your life and give you wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So his presence would come and it would open up my eyes. It would reveal knowledge of who God is. Verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what, pay attention to this, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. It's the wisdom of God that's going to open up our eyes to see clearly the hope that he offers. Moving on. The other thing that we know, the riches of his glorious inheritance to the saints. So he has a rich inheritance to give us. Remember that storehouse, that treasury of wisdom we were talking about? He wants to give it to us. So there's hope, And there's riches, there's treasure from God that he wants us to see. Verse 19, and that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe. Friends, the hope that we need, the solutions that we need, 
and the power to bring about change, they come from God. And we can receive the gift of the spirit of wisdom so that our eyes would begin to be open to what hope looks like. That we would begin to see the rich treasure trove of solutions God offers. And that we would recognize that He has the power to bring change. Check this out. How does He bring about that power to change? It's according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ. Remember I said He's not just an example. We actually receive this from Him. That He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead, seated Him at His right hand in heavenly places. Verse 21, check this out. Far above all rule, all authority and power and dominion. Guys, this means in the, in the smallest circumstance in life, all the way up to the highest levels of authority and power and dominion, systematic structures, individual people in charge of things, they answer to somebody. Jesus has power above them and over them. In fact, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. What Paul is saying here is that there is another kingdom above all the kingdoms and powers of the earth and that God wants to give me the spirit of wisdom so I can see this kingdom and live accordingly. That I can cooperate and participate in the kingdom of God. That I don't need to be wrapped up in the different um, ideologies and, and the rule and reign of different parties or countries or whatever on this earth, that there is a larger, greater kingdom that I'm now a part of. And God wants to give me the ability to, to see that kingdom for what it is and the hope that it offers, the riches that it offers, the power that it offers, and that I could then live accordingly. And so to, now Paul continues into chapter two. This is a continuous thought. And he's reminding them of how far they have already come. He says, God has rescued you by his mercy and by his grace. Don't forget what he's done for you. Don't forget where he's brought you from. Verse 8 now of chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of your works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Friends, we have inherent value and beauty. He's made each of us uniquely. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, how does Paul start? He starts by saying that in Jesus, we have all received privilege. Guys, there, there's a part of me that, that battles and struggles and fights against the idea specifically of white privilege, you know? There's this part of me that wants to resist and fight that, and I can defend myself and realize there's areas in my life where, man, I, I worked really hard. I don't, I feel like there's a lot of what I've received that, man, it was just blood, sweat, and tears. And, and I recognize my striving and what I've done to get to different places in life, and it, it offends me a little bit to consider that. But listen, I've got to remember something. Even, I don't want to minimize this, but even beyond white privilege, friends, like as someone who Jesus has touched my life, 
I have been massively privileged in general. Guys, this is what grace actually is. It's the unmerited or undeserving favor of God. It should actually resonate with me. It should be apparent to me that there is much that I have received. God's love, God's presence, His mercy and grace in my life, the ability to live a good, healthy life governed by God, touched by His grace. I should be fully aware of incredible privileges I've been given that I I don't deserve, I haven't earned. And so I should approach things with a sense of humility because everything I have comes from a good and gracious God. The very breath I breathe, I, I was created. I'm a workmanship of His. He created me. And so is everybody else. And so that's my starting point. I don't get to take credit for all God's done in my life. And so now what does Paul say? God has created good works for us. So I need to invite God to reveal to me, Lord, what are the good works you're inviting me into personally and specifically? There are core principles all over scripture that all believers, all believers are called to, to love God and love others well, to speak truth in love, to point people to Jesus, to operate in mercy and justice, to love and sacrifice for others. There are big picture principles we've all been called to. And in Jesus, we have the power to live those out. And so the call of wisdom is to say, God, what are you personally and specifically inviting me to do? What are you calling me to do? God, would you come with your spirit of wisdom and remind me of the hope that you offer and out of your treasures, will you give me direction in life and will you give me the power to do it? Friends, we need wisdom. And the truth is, I can't tell you what you should be doing right now, but he can and he will. It might require an adjustment. It might even require some repentance on our part. But remember, God's offer for wisdom still stands. And I want to close with this reminder. Proverbs 1.20 Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. And this is what she says. How long, O oh simple ones, Will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Let's pray. God, I pray that we would hear wisdom calling, your wisdom calling, and that, God, we would lean in with action to pursue the wisdom that uniquely comes from you. God, that we would position ourselves in humility. God, that if it requires correction, reproof, God, if we need to change, Lord, we would be open to that. And then, God, as we begin to move out into the public square, 
and, and operate in the world around us, whether it's conversations with our spouse or our children, whether it's using our voice and our actions in a more public way, God, that we would receive wisdom from you on how we should act. Lord, that we would have wisdom as we approach relationships with other people who are different than us. And that we would value people, have empathy for them, that we would love them. And God, that you would give us wisdom and discernment to see and hear people, to value them. And then God, that we would be able to sift through the ideas that are out there, the solutions that are out there, the steps that we should take. And God, that we would we would hear your call that there is hope in you, that there is a treasure trove of solutions that this world needs and that your spirit empowers us, that we have power from you to live accordingly, to participate with your kingdom, which is an eternal kingdom, and that we could love well because we are loving people who are eternal beings that you care about deeply. God, thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you extend this offer of wisdom. Lord, may we live our lives, not just this moment. May we live our lives learning wisdom from you and then acting accordingly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you, friends. I'm praying for you this week. I'm praying for our church family. I'm praying for our community and our country. And I'm believing God will show us individually and at times corporately who we're called to be and what we're called to do to bring hope and justice and love and mercy to a world in need. I love you, friends, and I'll talk to you again soon.